Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stab. Thank you for uh, walking up on the street and wandering your way in to a weird, dark back alley thing. So we are uh, this. If you've never seen this show, you'll kind of get the hang of it uh, real quick. Uh, if you like it, that's nice. If you don't like it, you know, you don't tell anyone. You know, that would be good. If you could not, let's do that. All right, and here we go. Roughly 24 to 92 hours ago, Stab's team of comedy scientists commissioned four specific humorists to give various potentially comedic takes on several random topics, which they'll now perform for the first and likely last time in front of a live studio audience in a show called... Oh, Oh my God. Oh, Oh my God. I didn't even have to tell them to do that. That is amazing. Welcome to Stab at Stab. We're here at the Stab Comedy Theater. We're here every, we're here every Friday with this show around 10 o'clock. I'm kidding. <laughs> around 10 o'clock. Uh, so what is this? 10.24 right now. We got a late start. I do have to pick up my children soon. So we're going to make this quick. I hope you guys... All right. Are you ready to meet your contestants? All right. That's Jojo Lewis. I'm touching him right now. I fuck him. Cameron Schmid. Hello, everybody. With a K. And down at the end, uh, Jesse Jones. He's down there, Jesse Jones. That's them. You're not wrong. Yeah. And I'm your host, John Morris Ross, the fourth. The fourth. (laughs) I'm royal. (laughs) I'm royalty. Uh, It's good to be here. Uh, Jojo, what's new with you besides that new shirt? Uh, I got, uh, I, I got a car. Oh, yeah. How old are you now? I'm 31. You've had a car before, right? <laughs> it broke real bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> you yeah. said it like you'd never had a car before. You're well, like, I'd never I'm... had a car that I paid for. Oh. Yeah. White privilege. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's how it works. That sounds like the sheets calling the linens clean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Backing out of this conversation. <laughs> Cameron Schmid. Hello, John. With a K. It's, it is with a K. And it's Schmid. With no T. With no T. Yeah. Why? Um, <laughs> so both um, of both sides of my family, uh, German and Italian, um, moved, <laughs> moved, moved to Sorry. America between World War I's and II. Oh. Okay. Um, and the German side, the Schmid side, dropped the T so that they could pass for Polish as opposed to German because oh. German was kind of a no-go. In terms of world affairs, for a solid like forty years. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, please explain. Huh? <laughs> I had I had my my grandmother when I was eleven years old. She 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 was senile and drunk, and uh, and uh, she's like Johnny, uh, don't tell the kids at school, but you're a Russian Jew. <laughs> <laughs> you have some Jew blood in you. I was like, I don't think people care right now. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the 90s it's always good to be safe yeah i you know i I told you this in confidence (laughs) a little bit of jubilee jesse yeah what's your nationality oh (laughs) what's your background i'm as far as i understand i'm as as just white mutt as you can be (laughs) um but i think there's like a lot of russian in there too a lot of russian the sherbinskis uh that's the the longest branch on the tree that i know of sherbinsky sherbinsky all the way to 
They they actually traced like the on uh, what is that the ancestry dot com or something. They've got it to like the fifteen fourteen hundreds or some nonsense. Oh my god! Yeah, the Sherbinsky. Sherbinsky. That sounds like a a hazing technique that they do with ice cream. <laughs> Give him the Sherbinsky. Roll. Give him the Sherbinsky. He'll, he'll yeah. be part of our group. New Baskin Robbins employees. Right. <laughs> they all get the Sherbinsky. Sherbinsky. All right. As you can tell, this is a comedy show. Let's play stab. <laughs> yeah, we can. I don't know if you could tell that yet. <laughs> There's a bunch of segments. You'll see. (laughs) (laughs) This first segment is called uh, Reorganization. Uh, It's where you reorganize the thing. Uh, Please take the following acronym, Reimagine It. What does it now stand for? Who or what does it now represent? Uh, Being that we're uh, we're smack dab in the middle of Men's Health Week. Huh? Did anyone know that? You can tell by the stage. Men? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Today's acronym There was is, supposed to be a lady on the show. There was supposed to be a lady. She got sick. <laughs> sure she did. She did. From all the toxic masculinity. That's right. She, yeah. she got sick because it's men's health. She was tired of fighting, the, <laughs> crushing yeah. the patriarchy. It's men's health. It's not women's health week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, today's acronym that we're reimagining is uh, butthole. Welcome to the show. Yeah. B-U-T-T-H-O-L-E. Because when I think men's health... I think butthole. That's sure. the way they check it. It's number one priority. I think. I'm 41. I haven't done it yet, so we'll Ooh. see. What do you think, Mike? How much? <laughs> Sorry for pointing. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, couple's bathroom. JoJo, what, uh-huh. is, what does butthole mean to you? It's a, it's a, this, this bit has a bit of a character to it. Oh. So here, and it may be overwritten, so here we go. <laughs> no, mine's definitely overwritten. <laughs> Hello there. My name is Milton Shipler. And I'd like to be the first to congratulate you on entering the wonderful world of adult-themed novelty sales and distribution. For if it vibrates, plugs, or tugs, you can be sure we have it in bulk. (laughs) If you turn to page four of your welcome packet, you can see that the company sales projection for non-stick anal beads (laughs) and quarter four are up two and a quarter percent. Such monumental change to our bottom line is the result of sellers like you working around the clock at fairs, conventions, sex shops, online sales, and good old-fashioned passion parties like my mother used to attend. (laughs) Sellers like you are the core of our business model, and now we don't expect your first quarter sales numbers to rival Dildo King Haywood Jablomi (laughs) or the lady of the latex labia Lucy Vagoo. But we do expect excellence, with competition from produce stands never being higher. We know that our greatest asset is not our selection of lubricants and toy cleaners. Our greatest asset is you. (laughs) As such, we need to be sure that you have all the tools you need to make the sale, which is why we use the following set of simple rules for all business interactions within the general public. First, be present and in the moment with your customers. Understand their sexual or novelty needs. Take command of the discussion to lead them to the products that meet those needs. Talk the customer through whatever feelings of shame or fear that might arise from purchasing said products. Help the customer with all their questions regarding the use, speed, and orientation of their new product. Offer our extended warranty parts and cleaning service. Leave them smiling, and finally, exit through the side door you came in from. (laughs) It sounds like a lot, I know, but we remember it very simply. When you're on site, just think, butthole. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you again, and congratulations on joining us on this new career journey. Because here at Jammit Industries, we're making the future of sexuality in America and Canada today. And that future is you. Very good, JoJo. Very good. That was fun. Cameron Schmid. All right. What does butthole mean to you? <laughs> Tom stared at the plate that Friedrich had placed on the table. It was as close to perfection as Tom had ever seen in his 10 years as a Michelin star chef. The decades since had been a blur of Friedrich's, classically trained apprentices with passion and creativity that he hadn't felt since the day he found out he had gotten the star. His main source of inspiration came in tearing them down. It's missing something, Tom said flatly. But you have not given it a taste, Friedrich said. I don't need to, Tom said as he turned to leave. Thinking of the look on Friedrich's face, Tom happily tapped his steering wheel as he drove home. He began contemplating what he would serve for dinner as he parked in his driveway and entered his home. He hardly needed to enter the doorframe to know something was off. His wife, Cynthia, wasn't at her desk. She had worked from home since they had had their first and only child, a cherubic-faced boy named Elroy. She was almost always typing on her laptop or in the kitchen when he came home for lunch. Synth? Tom called. No answer. He looked over his shoulder towards the driveway. Her car was there. He walked towards the bedroom. He heard a muffled moan. Smiling, he placed his hand on the doorknob and turned it, swinging the door open and moving his other hand to his top shirt button. He saw Cynthia's exposed back moving back and forth rhythmically. She let out one more moan, rich and joyful, before sensing Tom's presence and turning with a shocked face. Tom almost forgot to look underneath her. When he finally did, he saw an unwrapped, honey-baked ham. Nolan spoke for minutes. Tom eventually coughed, wondering how much better Friedrich would feel if he could see his boss now. Eventually, he locked eyes with his wife. I think we should get a divorce, Tom said. Two months later, Tom was adjusting to being a mid-40s bachelor as well as could be expected. His work was fine, and he missed Elroy, but he appreciated seeing him all the more since he cut back his work schedule so that the two could spend every weekend together. He happily tapped his steering wheel as he drove toward his former home, excitedly thinking about the weekend's plans with his son. He pulled up to the curb, feeling weird about using the driveway. Cynthia was at the door, and he knew something then was off. He wants to be here this weekend, Cynthia said as he got out of the car and walked towards her. And why is that? And where is my son? If you upset him, we'll have to go to court over these visitations. I just want to know why he won't come with me and where he is. I want to see him. A few minutes later, his 11-year-old son faced him on the porch. I'm sorry, Dad. Rick has tickets to the Giants. Third base line. <laughs> Who's Rick? Tom asked. It was then that Tom looked through the window and saw the honey-baked ham, wrapped in one of Tom's old robes, sitting on the couch, <laughs> watching TV. Later that night, Friedrich placed the plate in front of Tom. Tom had been hesitant to break into the brunch market. He thought it was tacky, but he knew it would increase revenue. The plate was traditional eggs benedict, hollandaise sauce, smothering English muffins, tomatoes, and thick slices of... Tom picked up the dish and whipped it against the wall. He turned to Friedrich, red-faced and steaming. Bacon, uttered Tom. The ham overwhelms, lately, everything. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Butthole. Very good. That divorce scenario close to home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse Jones, yeah. what does a butthole mean to you? Could scarcely be... More different. 
fuck you got there? <laughs> the fuck is that thing? You just touching it with your bare fucking hands, huh? All right, Dan. Well, don't fucking lick it for Christ's sake. You can't build a hen house with that some bitch. How do you know you? Can, how do you? How do I know? I, how you? Know? <laughs> how do I know you can't? Well, how the fuck you think you can? You know what? Fuck us both for no nothing dip fucks. We ain't the ones ought to think on it. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I need a lot more run up to this. I didn't. Okay, <clears throat> <clears throat> gotta get the the cadence down. Um, we ain't the ones ought to think on if and you should be using that for whatever's. What say we do? Let's start thinking with our butthole. <laughs> and before using that thing, have Oli look at her. Again? <laughs> Oli's been all over the fuck. He's seen some shit. So don't matter where whatever come from, Oli probably seen some shit, something like it, and can tell you whether or not that shit's safe to fuck around with. You don't want to lose your last thumb on some shit that Oli ain't inspected thorough. <laughs> if it's a thing what shoots, Oli will tell you which way to point so you don't blow your ass clean off. If it's a thing what you eat, Oli will tell you if it'll give you the seven-day liquid shits <laughs> or if you're just going to want to put some ranch on that bitch. Anything been built or born that Oli can't help you figure out with at least a 75% certainty where that shit's good as hell or that shit ain't worth fuck all. So come on now. Pull that fucker out your ear. Let's toss it in the truck. It's half past one in the afternoon. So Oli's either at that titty bar cooch ticklers or seven tequila slammers in over at the checkered flag. So we ain't going to catch him at a better, more knowing time. Let's show this fuck to that fuck. Because the best rule of thumb you're ever going to be using is before using that thing, have Oli look at her. <laughs> Very good. That was reorganization. Very good. Now go ahead and clap. It's okay. Thank this you. audio podcast will have subtitles, correct? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that brings us... Is everyone doing all right? Everyone good? Yeah. Any, anyone, did anyone leave? I feel like there's less, <laughs> less people here. That right. would be on brand. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, this brings us to our next segment. It's called the Topical Haiku Challenge. Nice. Uh, please have composed three haiku in regard to the following news story. Um, we'll do them one at a time. Uh, 53 year, a 53-year-old Alberta woman has been charged after allegedly attempting to ship a cat and puppies through the mail last month. A uh, post office employee called the authorities on May 7th after discovering a puppy and kitten crammed into a small cor- cardboard box. <clears throat> cardboard box. Uh, the box was labeled with a destination address complete with appropriate postage, uh, while the animals themselves had stamps attached to their heads. <laughs> uh, haiku go, Jojo. First one. Flat rate shipping works the same way that my cat works. If she fits, she ships. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cameron, Fluffy, in the box. <laughs> Mr. Whisker Guff, in the box. My check, in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Jesse Jones. First one is titled, Consider the Alternative. <laughs> Puppies and kittens crammed in a box and mailed. 
Still, better than drowned. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> Jesus. Right. JoJo, your second of three haiku. My only regret? Well, honestly, putting down my return address. <laughs> <laughs> Camera. Uh, this one is from the perspective of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was born Monday. Arf, arf, I said to my ma. Then, lady stamped me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my best Scooby Doo. <laughs> Jesse Jones. Uh, second style, adorable mules. Sure, it sounds bad, but. The real crime was the kilos stuffed in their asshole. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Jojo, your third of three haiku. Wow. Okay, then. Fine. Since when was it illegal to invent pet memes? (laughs) Since when was it it illegal to invent Invent. pet memes? All right. I, I saved the worst for police. last. Okay. Yeah. Right. Good. <laughs> Cameron Schmid. Time to ship some dogs. Maybe I will ship some cats. This is Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I can only assume it's like a regional difference. <laughs> yeah. Which my last sort of ties into that, uh, titled Ignorance of the Law. <laughs> to be fair to her... Did anyone else here know you couldn't do that? <laughs> Very good. That was the topical haiku challenge. Very good, gentlemen. Very good. All right. That brings us to our third of five segments of the evening. We're halfway there. <laughs> Jojo, this uh, segment's called This Was Today Once. Uh, today is World Blood Donor Day. Did you know that? World uh, Blood Donor I Day. Did. That's what today is. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on this very date, 1954, U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower signs a bill into law that places the, word, the words under God into the United States Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, How did you celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? Well, John, uh, as you well know, uh, World War II was a very dark time for our, our country, and uh, it was even darker for a, a certain new president named Dwight D. Eisenhower. You've heard of him. Uh, it was a time that made people question, hey, you know, this world is such an unrelenting, horrific nightmare of misery and suffering. Uh, how can we trust that there is a God? Well, Dwight had an idea. He would prove it. He would fix this problem the only way he knew how. Ironically, he would conduct a pagan blood sacrifice <laughs> to bring Jesus back. Now, you see, John, <laughs> the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead, <laughs> contained all the information needed to bring back Jesus far before his appointed time at rapture. Now, my ancient Sumerian is not the best, uh, but the incantation... Aprej al Gian Unat O O Ia Ia Riale Cthulhu has roughly the same syllables and vowel sounds as the pledge uh, because most children suck at talking or just don't care or give a shit about pledging allegiance. 
So the hope was that their shitty pledges would make the incantation work. It just takes a lot of people doing the chant. <laughs> Obviously, there was one phrase that wasn't contained in the pledge. Shubar mil gaudos, which in Sumerian means the black goat shall drink of the phallus of time, thusly to birth the devourer. It's a very important phrase. <laughs> Thankfully, old Dwight D. Eisenhower, leader of the cult of the bloody Messiah, <laughs> made the change to the pledge by adding under God, thus completing the chant. All he needs to do to pull it off now is for enough blood to be gathered in one place as sacrifice to bring back the crucified thought form of Jesus into the world and usher in a new paradigm of existence. And as you know, John, that takes a lot of blood. <laughs> Which is how I decided to celebrate today, John. I went out and donated two pints. <laughs> which was a, it's really a two for one of good deeds. You know, I'm saving a life today, and pretty soon I'll be ending existence as we know it. Well, very good. Thank you for that. Jojo. You're welcome. <laughs> Jojo, very good. <clears throat> <laughs> no one gets any of that. No. It was weird when you went through that little chant, like I felt the lights dim a little bit. I was like, what just fucking is going on? We'll play it in reverse <laughs> later. Cameron Schmid. Um, sorry to pronounce the D all the time. It just, no, go for it. It annoys me. It's not Cameron Schmid. <laughs> Cameron Schmid. Uh, on this date, 1690, King William III of England, William of Orange, mm. lands in Ireland to confront former King James II. We don't know what about. Uh, also on this very date, 1937, the U.S. House of Representatives Representatives passes the Marijuana Tax Act. Uh, how did you choose to celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? John, King William of Orange is a big personal hero of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but not just mine. He's also a big hero of M&M's, Marshall Mathers. You know how M&M got really weird on 60 Minutes one time and insisted that he could think of a bunch of things that rhymed with orange? <laughs> He only knew all those things because of his obsession with William of Orange. He even rapped about William of Orange in one of his songs, 1999's Role Model. I'm dumb enough to walk in a store and steal, so I'm dumb enough to ask for a date with Lauren Hill. Some people only see that I'm white, ignoring skill, because I stand out like a green hat with an orange bill. Orange bill. Sound familiar? <laughs> orange William, William of Orange. <laughs> Eminem is the world's biggest fan of King William of Orange. And there's nothing that King William loved more than stopping his enemies from being able to create low-cost paper and cloth products with hemp. <laughs> Which is also primarily why the Marijuana Tax Act was passed in America, mainly to please newspaper magnate William Randolph Hearst. So every June 14th from 4.20 to 5 p.m., because on this day, on that year that uh, William of Orange went to Ireland, he was 40 years old. <laughs> I take 40 minutes out of my day to list all of the words that Eminem says rhymes with orange <laughs> over and over while I smoke weed rolled in the back pages of Cosmopolitan, Hearst's last biggest publication. <laughs> Door hinge. Four inch. Foreign. Waging wars. Thank you. Very good. Mr. Schmid. Jesse Jones, on this date, yeah. 1777, the Stars and Stripes is adopted by Congress as the flag of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, also on this very date, 1986, the Mindbender derails and kills three riders at Fantasyland, uh, known today as Galaxyland, an indoor amusement park in Edmonton, Alberta. 
How did you choose to celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? In celebration of the new U.S. flag and avenging murders at name-changing amusement parks, I spent my day in Vallejo. (laughs) Visiting Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, formerly Six Flags Marine World, formerly the new Marine World theme park, formerly Marine World Africa USA, formerly simply Marine World! (laughs) Upon arriving, I quietly... Solemnly lay three long stem roses at the front entrance of Batman the Ride. <laughs> Fell to my knees, sobbing uncontrollably as I remembered that fateful day when my parents, a kind, gentle, mild mannered Canadian thruple, were taken from me at the rails of the v- villainous Mindbender. <laughs> and I cursed the Batman the Ride. <laughs> And all of his fully licensed kind for doing nothing. <laughs> I then spent the rest of the day alternating back and forth between riding Harley Quinn's crazy coaster and the Joker in an attempt to get inside the mind of a criminally insane theme park attraction. <laughs> Before long, I was no longer a troubled amusement park goer who had made up the murders of his parents in order to add a whole weird level to his roller coaster riding experience. <laughs> Soon I was become one with the roller coaster. (laughs) I could feel all of my steel rails and vomit-stained cars, all of my undulations and twists and turns. I was coaster! (laughs) And suddenly I understood. All roller coasters everywhere just want to kill everyone that's in them. But usually their safety features prevent it. But every so often, and for one brief afternoon in 1986... The Mindbender was free. <laughs> free to murder those inside her. To leap from her confines and run free through the park. Of course, I was screaming all of this at the top of my lungs the last time the Joker came to a stop. And a giant plush Yosemite Sam attempted, me to, attempted to pull me from my car. <laughs> I fought free, promised to leave quietly, which I did not. But I'm here now, and I know now. In order to stop murder coasters, I must become a murder coaster. (laughs) So I'm going to figure out how that's going to (laughs) work. Probably make someone sit on me, then try and kill them for it. I don't know. It's been a weird afternoon. (laughs) Very good. That was. This was today once. Uh, that brings us to our fourth of five segments. Halfway over, guys. <laughs> uh, this fourth segment is called Movie Makeup. Uh, please compo- have composed a synopsis based off the following movie titles. Uh, all titles are brought to you by WordCounter.net's Random Word Generator. That's how we came up with the movie titles. Random Word Generator. Jojo Lewis. Mm-hmm. Make us want to see the movie Cream Handle Industry. Very well. Cream Handle Industry. <laughs> Cream Handle Industry is a documentary, All right. and it's about one thing and one thing only, the legendary and workmanlike history of guerrilla-style gonzo terrorism involved with jerking off on a driver's side door handle of an unsuspecting socialite. <laughs> now, now, I know that sounds heady. 
but they ground it by following one perpetrator of this. It follows a certain, it, it follows a harangued young whippersnapper <laughs> named uh, Jesse Jones. <laughs> now Jesse is a uh, is a comedian who's struggling to make it big in the comedy mecca that is Sacramento, California. <laughs> right. mm, I mean, he's doing the whole loop of. You know, taking classes on Improv 101 and going to Harold Knight and doing that thing that improv people do where they're like him or ha before taking a step out on going, boy, this is one crazy cruise ship, huh? <laughs> and of course, there's the evening escapades where he performs at a certain unnamed improvisational writing podcast now available on <laughs> iTunes and Stitcher. For God's sake, give us a five-star rating. <laughs> After this, though, Jesse goes out to the cars of unsuspecting audience members to do a quick uh, feeding of the ducks <laughs> on their door handles. <laughs> Sprinkled into this is uh, these live-action portions of Jesse's adventures. We get discussions and commentary from notable cream handle scholars and perpetrators, including uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bradley Cooper, and, oddly enough, Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Australian pop star Kylie Minogue has a lot to say on this. Really? Yeah, it's... Very surprising. Interesting. Uh, this grounds the effect of cream handling in popular culture, <laughs> its historical impact, as well as its use as effective social discontent. Um, cream handling. It's already gotten five stars and, and notable honors at several film festivals, including the Cannes, Aspen, and, of course, the AVN Awards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Cream handle industry, you know, because sometimes the greatest message you can send to someone is getting a stranger's jizz on your hands as you try to get into your car. <laughs> All right, very good. Oh man! All the times to laugh at your own material. Very good. I'm glad I gave that one to you. Uh, Oh my god! Well, now I've got to write mine again. (laughs) (laughs) Cameron Schmid, the name of your movie is called Evasive Lumber. That it is, John. Evasive (laughs) Lumber. John, Evasive Lumber is the tale of Fred and Jed. Two lumberjacks, new to the job and learning about their wants in life. Fred is no nonsense and quickly establishes himself as the best tree faller on the team, with a strong forearms and rippling back muscles. Jed, on the other hand, is a total nightmare. He can't cut a tree and he hurts himself and more often others. The commissioner, did you know there are commissioners in tree cutting? Calls Fred and Jed in to tell them he's partnering them up. Fred immediately objects. He doesn't need a partner. But the commissioner insists. The first day on the job as a duo is a comedic mess. Fred keeps trying his hardest, but no matter what, Jed keeps managing to make these very large trees fall onto Fred. After being crushed by several multi-ton trees, Fred calls it a night. But they get lost during a rainstorm and have to camp out in a cave. Jed says to Fred, we should hold each other for warmth. Fred says, fine. And before they even put their arms around each other, they immediately begin having aggressive sex. (laughs) Aggressive sex. The rest of the film is just them hiding their love for like a few decades and chopping more trees. (laughs) Evasive lumber. It's like a buddy cop movie. And then it's like Brokeback Mountain. And the whole time, a bunch of trees fall onto one main character. (laughs) Very good. Specific genre. Uh, Jesse Jones, the name of your movie is called Imagine Fragile Marble. Yeah. Imagine Fragile Marble. It's also making uh, similar uh, documentary festival rounds. (laughs) (laughs) 
circuit. Yeah. Uh, imagine Fragile Marble is a state-produced Russian climate change documentary. <laughs> We're very lucky to have tonight, for your listening enjoyment, a clip smuggled out of Moscow in 2004. <laughs> Let's have a hear. Imagine Fragile Marble. Delicate planet place with the garbage and the pollution and the too many products to purchase and the choices. Imagine how to fix fragile marble. Unquestioned obedience is a good way for to accomplish anything. <laughs> Include safe planning. Standing in line for soup bread is a good way to not be in car making smog smoke. Scowl frown at the sky. It knows the why. <laughs> but remind that you also know and that you do not forgive. Look at this space picture of the planet Russia. <laughs> it's grainy black and white, but you get gist. Would probably be beautiful and delicate and, let's say, red if space program had camera budget for to purchase newer color and grainless photography camera. <laughs> but that would be grotesque luxury, which would only hasten destruction of fragile marble planet we call Russia. <laughs> Do your part to save planet. Drab headscarf, absorb carbon runoff. Is like wearing two to five trees. <laughs> Buy another automobile from the 50s, like your grandfather who died face down in the snow. <laughs> if you buy newer automobile, they'll have to make new automobile. And why do that when other automobile already exist? <laughs> One day you will die face down in the snow as well. <laughs> The way we all hope to, because that way, death gases get absorbed by gray snow slush and make polar bears less hungry. <laughs> have, have you thought about suicide today? Goes long way to reduce carbon footprint. So go on. Think about how you are killing planet. Then don't do those ways. It's simple. It's very simple. So don't. Don't do. Don't. It's simple. Uh, that was great. That was movie makeup. Uh, that brings us to our final segment of the evening. No, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Uh, oh, what's happening? That almost sounded genuine for once. That did. <laughs> yeah. uh, this last segment is uh, a fan favorite. Uh, it's called Write an Erotic Poem About It. Uh, please have composed an erotic poem in regard to the following subjects. Uh, Jojo, let's hear your erotic poem about uh, Starbucks customers. Mm, okay. <clears throat> Hey there, welcome in. What can I get started for you today, other than all that blood pumping? That's right, 
One pump, two pumps. Oh, it won't be an extra 25 cents per. No ice today. You're going to have it hot. (laughs) Covered in whipped cream down the hatch. I know it sounds like a tall order, but you're going to need to handle my grande. (laughs) If we're going to have any chance of you venting your desires. Oh, and it's not a short, my dear. It's got its girth. It'll trench you. <laughs> that last Starbucks pun wasn't that good, but... <laughs> what will be good is me dropping some of this hot chai all over your coffee beans. <laughs> Filling up your gift card with my hard gift. Like it's your birthday that'll leave you seeing stars. You want to take a bite of this cake pop and enjoy a few sous vide egg bites? Fuck yeah, you do. <laughs> That'll be $37. For all the jizz espresso you can handle. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Very good. Very good, JoJo. Yeah. That's why I got in touch press. <laughs> <laughs> touch bros. All right. Well done. Yeah, very good. I'm hard. Okay. Um, <laughs> always. Uh, Cameron, uh, let's hear your erotic poem in regards to trucking and transport. Yeah. <laughs> There's a poem called The Lonely Road. <laughs> 18 wheels. 18 feels. An empty cab. It's not that bad. Some time alone out on the road. Let's apply some pressure to my chode. (laughs) And then this is like a chorus, which I know poems don't have. (laughs) Masturbation isn't wrong. A trailer full of sausage, and I'm hauling schlong. (laughs) The ending moment is in my sight, but in my mirror, flashing lights. Cop comes up. He's lonely, too. We both know what we're going to do. Roadside sex isn't a sin trailer full of sausage and i'm roasting pig the deed <laughs> slant rhyme uh the deed is done i heavily breathe the cop fixes his pants and takes his leave i put away my sinking chode and get back on that lonely road full circle very good very good my uncle's a truck driver <laughs> I like that I've, Gerald? Given, I've given you the truck driver and the lumber yeah. and with yeah. that beard. Man of the, the, and they the all end labor. in homoerotic uh, sex, so that's good. Wow. <laughs> we have a, yeah, what, that's a theme. There. Very good. Very good. All right, Jesse Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry to do this to you. Uh, please have written an erotic poem about sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> Ahem. I got an Audi. <laughs> you got an any. They're both in the same kind of locations, right in front of our buttholes. <laughs> Unless you're looking at somebody's back, and then they're right behind their buttholes. <laughs> the way they seem like they probably Lego together only seems to make sense that they got something to do with one another. Let's smush them together and find the heck out. (laughs) You got chest bumps that I pretty much don't. 
you should have them checked out by a doctor. <laughs> Just to make sure they're nothing bad. Well, you're in luck. Because I'm a doctor of ladynomics. You just pop off that shirt and then that other weird torso cage you keep your nipples in. <laughs> and let me use my stethoscope on them things, girl. <laughs> what is that? And just to be safe, I keep my stethoscope in my mouth. So let me put the ends of your titties in my mouth so I can scope them. <laughs> Hella stetholike. <laughs> I might not know what a stethoscope is. <laughs> I'm going to poke my baby wand up in one of your smelly holes. <laughs> Let's try the one not where babies crawl out, but the one where you keep your poops. <laughs> that way I won't go to jail for accidentally spraying any babies with my tiny fire hose that at least two or three completely different kinds of liquid comes out of. Very good. That's the end of Stab. Uh, One more time for all the comedians you saw tonight. Jojo Lewis. Cameron Schmidt. Jesse Jones. Yeah, if you'd like to hear more Stabs, uh, go to one of our many online outlets, the primary of which being Stab for Gold. Stab, the number four gold.com. Or check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. All those things. Uh, I've been your host, Mr. John Morris Ross IV. Have a good night. <laughs>